Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said now. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said. What's up, guys? It's the Awesome Cast, Lucky 13, and that means we got a new studio. Okay, that's not that's not why we have a new studio. It's just because we had time to change things. Uh, but here is our glorious uh, Stone Age Skyposaurus knockoff. Uh, so, <laughs> cool. uh, so we're going to see how this goes. And I'm going to try not to look behind me the entire time uh, since there's a lot of stuff going on there. I definitely hit the wrong button there. Yes, we're live. It's 7 p.m. Tuesday in here in Pittsburgh, PA. And as usual... Uh, with me, I, well, I, I'm Mike Sort. I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, and of course, with me as usual is the man himself, the man in the black and white. Uh, once again, is uh, Rob De La Greta. How you doing? Hey, I, I think uh, the black and white has inspired me to integrate some old timey in every day of my life. So I am growing a handlebar mustache in honor of this podcast. <laughs> That, that's what the, I've, I've even got. I've got mustache wax. I'm doing the whole thing. I lost my little comb though. I had a little mustache comb that I bought yesterday, and I already lost it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're taking on the video podcast, uh, you know, so diligently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our guest tonight is is uh, Mitch. How, how's it going? <laughs> there he John is. Burger, Sorry. <laughs> I was introduced on a first name basis and I had to pull okay. your graphic up. <laughs> so right. how you doing, it, Mitch? It happens to me all the time, even at the grocery store. Uh, nice one. Nice to meet you. This is the first time I've had a chance to talk with you. Uh, tell people real quick, what do you do? Um, I am a social media manager at Chemistry Communications. It's a hybrid advertising agency uh, in the Strip District. Other than that, I am lazy and uh, eat the same food every day. Excellent, excellent. We're uh, we're glad you could join us. We're and there's your title again. I don't know why I'm working on a new button system. Um, <laughs> um, like I said, we changed a lot of things here in the studio this week, so it's going to be probably a little rough going. But when isn't it on this show? Uh, <laughs> it's so, always rough on the awesome cast. It's always, it's always it, this is this is raw. This is raw podcasting. We don't mess a, we don't mess around. Okay, we mess around, but you know that's how it goes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's uh let's get right into it. Uh, Facebook. Places is the new threat to our uh, privacy this week. Uh, now, uh, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance too much to, to mess with this. I'm having hard enough time keeping up with my Foursquare, uh, to be honest. Uh, ha- have you guys had a chance to uh, get on this? I have. And uh, I, I was in the office, actually, right around the time when it went live for Pittsburgh, which was earlier in the week. And uh, my boss comes up to me and he's like, dude, I, I got it. I got I, I got places on my phone, and I, I go on his Facebook right there on my computer, and I notice he's checked into like you know our office. I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting. So I head I head over to uh, touch.facebook.com to, to play with it because that's if you have an Android phone like I do, that's the first and only place that you can get to uh, to places without actually having to go on the site. And I notice that when you sign in and you go to check in in a place. It's just completely susceptible to pollution, similar to how Foursquare is. So the first place I checked in was cheerleaders 
uh, gentlemen's <laughs> club here in the strip district or for anyone who's not familiar, that's a strip club and a very dingy one at that. And we discovered immediately how horrible it is simply because you can tag your friends <laughs> that are with you and it'll post it on their wall without them giving any permission to do so. So we tagged like nearly everybody in the office and uh, it turns out that one of my boss's wives doesn't really like strip clubs very much and uh, <laughs> she was on Facebook at that exact moment. So it's uh, <laughs> it's not very safe unless you, uh, even if you have your privacy settings set, it's not, mm-hmm. um, it's not always so cut and dry. Well, the thing is, uh, I know, I know one of the issues with it is uh, that it comes out, it's ready to go and, and, you have to actually actively turn it off so people can't check you in. And yeah, we're still fumbling around with this whole, hey, let's let's launch something that could possibly invade your privacy and opt you into it without asking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not even my bank is allowed to do that now with, uh, with, 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 with overdraft fees. So why is Facebook? Yeah. So. And it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're opted into the whole thing. Not only are you opted into places, but you're opted into having somebody check you into a strip club. Mm-hmm. for your your own behalf. It's, it's actually the best example I've heard so far <laughs> it is, is is the strip club. Because, I mean, it's always been like, oh, you could be at a party, so, so you check in the people around you. Many of those people don't want you to, you know, don't want people to know that they're at this party for whatever reason. And then, uh, and then nobody brought the strip club thing that you're not even at. So, and actually, I'm looking at it for the first time. Now, are these, the, when you know, you, you were an early adopter, were, were there a lot of places already in here, or does it seem like it's still being kind of user-generated like uh, Foursquare and everything was? It seemed like everything, like, they had a, a pretty impressive um, amount of places already established, mm-hmm. but I'm, I get the feeling that a lot of that is data that they bought from somebody. and Well, they, they integrated with Foursquare and Gowalla. Well, they did. Um, so I, I think that integration, at the very least, gave them a library. But it looks like uh, only businesses and establishments. So, like, if you made your uh, your house a venue on Foursquare, it's not going to show so up. So I'm not going to find the ghetto bus stop right off the bat. I'm not going to find uh, my uh, Chachi's couch. Uh, no. <laughs> I guess he's got a, the Kaufman's clock. Probably isn't in here yet. Or Creation Rex. Um, sorry, those are some Pittsburgh inside jokes there for you, if you guys are out of town. Um, we'll explain some other time. <laughs> or you can email us and we'll explain <laughs> that too. Um, um it yeah. seemed, it seemed like it was like they had a certain degree of, um, confirmed businesses that were already in there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I, I can't really say how accurate it was being on an Android device. I mean, the browser couldn't access my GPS, uh, chip. So it was just using whatever, you know, means it had available to it. Um, so it, it wasn't exactly accurate. I mean, I was at the 31st Street Bridge, and it was showing me stuff that was uh, about six, seven blocks down in either direction. Mm-hmm. So it, it we had to define everything that we, we did going along, but thankfully it was actually a pretty easy process to do. Yeah, and I, I noticed it, does, it definitely, it's not entirely accurate that there's a Beachview United Methodist Church around this area uh, that hasn't been there for a couple of years. It's definitely still on here. But yeah, uh, but yeah you'll, you'll get that on Google Maps, too. Yeah, I think that um, if, if Facebook can, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of discussion about this. This wasn't like, uh, like when Buzz came out, it seemed like the Internet was suddenly set on fire with uh, with 
people upset about their privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Places came out, people were kind of shrugging it off. I think a lot of Facebook users who aren't necessarily into tech and keep up with the news, I think they don't even know that it's there. Uh, it's one of those not really announced. And even if Facebook does announce something, you know, it's like one little bar pops up for one login and then yeah, you did, never see it again. Did anybody but, see anything pop up when this got launched? Like, I mean, I, I know about it because, uh, you know, uh, my connections on Twitter and everything. And right, well, yeah. I, I haven't noticed anything. When we were doing our shenanigans at work um, that morning when we discovered we had it, um, I noticed that when we were, were checking in my boss, Dan, constantly to different places as often as we could, um, I noticed on his, his uh, what is it they call that, home screen on Facebook.com, came up a small dialogue box that just overlaid everything and asked him if he wanted to agree to, to be, you know, shown or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can only access, even if that's, that's true for every circumstance, you have to go to Facebook.com in order to police what people are posting about you and where you've been. And most people, what is it like? Over 50% of Facebook users access through mobile. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. not seeing any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely steering towards uh, a more mobile experience, obviously. Like, at this point, if you uh, develop content for online, it's considered working in the mobile space just because it can be accessed from anywhere. Uh, and uh, that's a loud car. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you, can't, you can't fidget with uh, many, if any, I haven't even tried, uh, of the privacy settings on Facebook using a mobile device unless you log into the full website from uh, your phone's browser. You certainly can't do it through the application. But I do know when, um, because Facebook updated their iPhone application, which is still terrible, but now you can check in on places. Uh, The first time you launched the application after an update, there was a big bubble highlighting places, which is now dead center in the uh, the grid of tools in the application. They, They really wanted you to know about it on here. For those that don't have it there on the iPhone, there's my camera. This is what it's looking like for you guys right now. Uh, so how's I? What, what was the uh, the uh, touch site? I actually haven't taken a look at that yet. Was it touch.facebook.com? Touch.facebook.com. It's it's kind of like it's an offshoot of mobile.facebook.com, but it's uh, it's just it's it's better for touch devices. Just more mm-hmm. text rich, or I mean, uh, what do you call that? Multimedia rich. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is uh, this is what it, the Facebook app appears to be on an Android device right now. An improvement, but still horrible. But <laughs> no places. Hmm. And they've said that they're they're planning a rollout for Android and and like uh, WebOS and all those different platforms. But who knows when that could be for Facebook time? I mean, that could be a couple months down the line, really. But, but I can definitely see if they can polish up this experience. Um, and and I mean, for for all we can say, because they're being relatively quiet about it for the the people who don't read tech news. Um, this could be just a throw it out there, see see what it looks like, see how much polish we need, and once they polish it up, um, this could definitely be something that, I mean, it's already there, it's already in Facebook, uh, which is replacing all kinds of mediums at this point, it's cutting in on Twitter's market share, it's cutting in on email's market share, some people are, uh, somebody at work today was saying that she never asked for people to email her, she just tells them to Facebook her. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. like the old MySpace mistake. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but but Rob, they had a big press event event last week at like five o'clock in the evening, which is which is like I don't know what ten o'clock here at, uh, by the time you get around to it. Um, yeah. I mean, 
But it was still just a press event, and it wasn't like... It's not like a big deal. Nobody's really talking about it. I bet if I asked everybody at work who wasn't in the tech scene, nobody would have a clue what I was talking about. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they can polish this, I mean, Facebook is already integrating everything else. This could definitely uh, take a huge bite out of things like Foursquare and Gowalla. And that's, that's something that I've seen, because my brother has taken the Facebook place as like a fish to water. Mm-hmm. And like my brother is what you would call like a Facebook social butterfly, thousand friends on his personal account, talks to every single one of them. Like the guy is on the site constantly. And the one thing I noticed that really, really had like places an advantage in, in uh, Facebook's court is that when you post your place, it posts just every, like any other kind of news feed. And people comment on that and have discussions based on, you know, where, where you are. So, I've seen my brother just generate entire conversations based on the fact that he was at Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that kind of thing on Foursquare. I mean, it's not so much of a social app. I don't, I don't, I, I I don't know check about in that, on though. Foursquare to be like, MF Fatheads, all right. I'm going to you know, do something else now. I don't know about that, though, because I have mine integrated with Facebook, and it pops up the little thing. I think a little map pops up whenever it happens, so it may be a little more visual than even places is doing and and i've had that too where people are like oh i've been there last week it's a really cool place to eat and there'll be maybe like a you know maybe three hits of a conversation hidden uh going on there so i i think it's kind of the same effect uh if you have things integrated properly but again but then if you're using foursquare i, I think you'd, you'd be uh kind of more apt to do that yeah i think it's it's a, a question of how much effort you want to put into it how many services you want to use it goes back to that integration thing i was talking about as far as like if you're on Facebook, you already have a Facebook account, you're already using a news feed, you're already messaging people, reading all this stuff, and digesting it already. You don't have to follow anybody on Twitter. You don't have to set places to check you into Twitter or Facebook as well. You don't have to check both your Twitter and your Facebook to see if anybody replied. If you interact with places, you're already interacting with something that you're interacting with every day. You don't have to change your habits. Mm-hmm. So I think for the, the, the non-geeky user, this is this is like prime territory. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, well, let's let's move on in the stories. Another one that got popped up. This actually got past me because I'm a, a wrestling fan. Uh, but this is something we've seen before. THQ is getting on the uh, fight against the used video game market um, with the new SmackDown vs. Raw 2011. Uh, for those not familiar, it's, it's pretty much like your Madden for wrestling. They put out a new one every year with a you know a list of new improvements and everything. Uh, that's why I haven't bought in three years, because it's pretty much the same damn thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, what they're going to be doing is, uh, oh, let's see, uh, they're, they're supposed to be adding additional content, which includes the multiplayer feature with a code included in the package, which, of course, can be only used once. Um, I believe Madden in, in the past has used something like this. There's been other ones that include certain content if you if you bought it and had that code. Uh, I think uh, the rock bands and the and the guitar heroes, uh, mostly guitar heroes, uh, have had had this kind of code situation, which makes I know when you know when I'm looking for a guitar hero uh, for me and my wife, it's it's a concern. You know, it's like okay, am I going to buy a new one? Am I going to save a couple bucks by use one, but maybe not be able to import all of my songs? Um, right. So it's a really interesting move that they're making. What do you guys think of this? It seems to me like this is an argument that is as old as time where like, I, I think it has more of a testament to how convoluted 
the distribution process is in digital media mm -hmm. um, rather than the trends that are going on in consumer level. I mean, it's there's no there's no reason that anybody should any like one party should blame the consumer for leaning towards saving more money. Um, I mean, that's the entire basis of economics is everybody trying to save the most money and, and get the most result. But, uh, I mean, I, this is something that digital distribution has shown really helps things. I mean, when you, like, when you have a, um, when you have an establishment like Steam, that sells directly to it. I mean, there's, there's, there was this article, uh, that got posted. The guys who did that game, Darwina, Uplink, um, and uh, several other games. I they got a new one coming out. I can't remember the name of, but they almost went bankrupt simply because they just ran out of money. They weren't selling enough, and they couldn't find good distributors for their games. So, what saved that company and allowed them to make their most you know recent game is selling through you know direct distribution methods like Steam. They, mm -hmm. Steam made them a buttload of money. They they got. Wow, they had, they got like an entire year of operating. Um, what do you call that? Money, whatever operating money. Capital. Yeah, yeah. They they got a lot of money in about a week for an entire year, and um, it it was it was direct from one point to another. When you're dealing with used games, especially areas like GameStop, that really prey on on people uh, making you know used game sales. Um, it, it just these infinite amount of middlemen that try to get in on this, you know, put it on the back of a truck kind of distribution method, and mm -hmm. and from every point A to point B to point C, somebody's going to be cashing in. So it seems to me like there's a lot of frustration over something that, uh, for all intents and purposes, they kind of back themselves into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the um, <clears throat> I mean nobody really makes a, a whole ton of money on used games because of how many people have their hands in it. Um, whereas digital distribution as an alternative opens like a ton of doorways for opportunities in, um, social aspects, sharing aspects, um, easy additional content aspects, community aspects, all that good stuff, as well as being the most effective anti-piracy tool yet. But uh, you mentioned like not many people are making making money off of the used games. GameStop, I, I, one of the complaints about GameStop has been uh, about their methods in, in over. Well, yeah, I mean GameStop selling. is making money, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but nobody else is making money, and that's the problem. <laughs> Even if you're selling games, you're you're not making money to them. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I saw a guy go in there one time. Uh, came with uh, like maybe five games, and they said, "Oh, we'll give you like eight bucks." Yeah, I thought he was going to punch the clerk. Yeah, with that, and then they go and sell them for you know like yeah, twenty bucks a know, piece. At least, at least a couple of those are probably sold for twenty bucks a piece. You know, I mean, the, just the markup is ridiculous because you know they'll depending on how they are, they'll, they'll sell you know probably buy them back for half the cost, sell them for five bucks less. Mm -hmm. What are you getting out of that? Um, but then you have then you have groups like uh, the Exchange here in Pittsburgh, where you know they actually mark stuff down if it's a little bit scratched or missing a book. Yeah, you know, which I that uh, well, we'll not get started with GameStop. I have my issues with them. Um, I I used to you know I used to be a big a big guy on on GameStop. I love Game Informer, still do, uh, and and love the used you know price you know the chance for the used prices with that nice ten percent. But um, 
yeah, they're, they, they've kind of fallen off my, uh, my, my good list. So, uh, but, but you mentioned Steam there. I, that's something that I think really changed the game. Uh, I've been a big, a big person, uh, into it. Uh, I'm, I'm, those sales really empty my po- pocketbook real quick when they have those crazy holiday sales. And, uh, and you see the difference because when you see the game charts, um, you'll see games that are like two years old get popped up to the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, who, I, a lot of the time I, I buy, um, used games, especially here in Pittsburgh at the exchange, simply because that's the fastest way for me to get the game I want. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, now that I have a full-time job, it doesn't even come down to, uh, economics anymore. It's not whether or not it's very expensive for me. I mean, I'll, $20 barely makes a difference in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes down to it, I can barely get to a GameStop, whereas it's incredibly easy for me to get to an exchange, for example. And I go right in. There's no hassle. I buy what I want, and I leave. Nobody's and trying to sell you a magazine? Exactly. Like, there's no there's no must, there's no fuss. And, I mean, it's it's... I'm sure anybody with a pigeon brain could understand that consumers don't like being, uh, you know, annoyed about buying batteries every time you buy a USB drive or a pack of screws or, um, or you know, a banana. Do you put batteries near banana? Am I not supposed to? <laughs> I was, I, think, I was just curious. I think that's a question for a different kind of show. <laughs> uh, I will. I, uh, mm, so moving on. on. Next, next topic. Uh, <laughs> um, Samsung's doing something. Uh, tell us about it, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Samsung actually today, this very day, announced um, they released this teaser video for something people kind of assumed was real and truly is and the internet is getting all aghast about something that's looking pretty decent um it is a seven inch portable tablet device from samsung based on the galaxy the 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 cell phone they just recently released it runs on android it runs uh swipe and everything and if you go on pc world Engadget, Gizmodo, any any huge like tier two kind of tech blog, uh, they're hosting this video, this teaser video that gives you like individual screen caps of all the different things it can do, um, and it's looking it's looking pretty good. I mean, from what I can see, it's going to be sort of playing into this hype, this whole tablet hype that's going to be you know rolling along all the way through the holiday season and probably into next year. Ever since this whole iPad thing kind of came, and uh, I mean, I don't know if anyone's heard of the iPad, but <laughs> the i what wasn't now? That the, the what? popular, I guess. The, the iSlate like, is that is that what it's called? I um. Yeah, it's the sequel to the Newton. Oh, I don't know if you saw it or not, it's uh, it's like a little computer, but you touch it with your hand <laughs> instead of instead of yell at it from across the room, oh, like I do with computers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, either way, it's 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 pretty neat. It, it has uh, it's 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 positioning itself to be the only true competitor to the iPad. You know, and it makes me wonder. You know, after having used an iPad for an extended period of time, I think to myself, why do I need any of these things? Why does anyone need any of these things? Like, how is anybody getting any use out of this stuff? 
<laughs> you know, I've actually uh, I've, I pulled up the the Engadget uh, article I think you mentioned before the show, and they're really going for the iPad look. Uh, it, yeah. I'm looking at this thing. Even the connector looks like the iPhone connector. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the long run, the, the note, the notepad. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe it's like this on all Android devices. I, I'm don't have much time with them uh, myself. Uh, but the keyboard looks very similar to what I'm used to on my iPhone, and it's the slick black border thing going on. How big is this? Seven inches. The screen Seven is inches. so probably like maybe about an inch around. Okay. Yeah, it's that. like uh, grabbing a CD case around the shorter side. It also looks as if it has uh, Google Navigation built in and a much bigger screen. Um, yep. GPS like- and um, one gigahertz processor, Bluetooth, Android 2.2, uh, the video shows, e-reading, HD video, augmented reality. Interestingly enough, um, so remember when the iPad came out and all of us were cracking up or like, Oh, uh, it's just a bigger iPhone. <laughs> uh, we're clever people. Well, looking at, uh, Engadget did a frame by frame. They have a gallery of all the different, you know, things that flick by real quick. Um, seeing a person holding it really makes me think, my God, this really is just a bigger phone. It's yeah. even got the camera in the same place. The fact that you can hold it in one hand really doesn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> It's just missing like a little. It has a microphone at the bottom, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it has a speaker near the top. Yeah. This was like, like somebody went to a convention in Beijing or in Hong Kong and was like, "All right, see this," and they put their Samsung on the table. Like, I want this, just slightly bigger. <laughs> just like, don't worry, boss. We got it. They came out <laughs> with this thing. Excellent. Or it is it'll uh, it'll have a camera too, looking around uh, 3.2 megapixels possibly. Um, I think I'm I'm gonna say that once the Android tablet market starts rolling, um, it will it'll dominate the market. It'll take over the iPad space pretty likely, um, but the iPad will remain like the usual uh, Macintosh comfortable spot where. There aren't a lot of them. There aren't as much as everybody else. They won't have the dominant market share, but they will remain the highest build quality product, the best finished product on the market. The the one with the brand unity and loyalty. Yeah, uh, brand I, unity I, and I loyalty. It's a marketing and, term, but everybody loves that word mind share. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, uh, is there really a, a, a I don't want to say a community? Of course, there's a community behind Android, but. You don't really know it's an Android until you're actually looking at the thing. It's like, oh, what do you got there? Is that a, you know, it could be a Windows Mobile for all I know and, and worry it yeah. might be. Um, but it's also, Android's popularity is also a large case of people walking into, like, a Verizon store. Exactly. Um, exactly. They've heard of the iPhone, but they can't get the iPhone, so they ask for the next biggest thing, or they're looking for a similar device, or they just ask for a smartphone in general. At this yeah. point, chances are it's going to run Android, and they don't even know it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and it goes back to, I think this is going to be our PC versus Mac of this, uh, you know, of this, of this space, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it always seems to, in this industry, kind of position itself in dichotomies where it's, it's never like there's a group of four that are battling it out for a, a, a majority. 
um, or even a plurality or anything like that. It's always just these two disparate forces fighting each other for the same thing. And of course, like it kind of harkens back to, to the console wars from, uh, from back in the nineties where it was without a doubt, Microsoft or Nintendo versus Sega. And there were like these little competitors like Wonder Swan and Neo Geo and Turbo these, like little guys, but they meant nothing. They deflected off of the giant like ironclads that that pummeled through the sea, fighting each other, like completely oblivious to everybody else. Yeah, and I think um, more to the point of the the PC versus Mac thing and and all that, um, especially considering I think I was talking about it last week, maybe, but all the developer issues with developing for the iPhone and how it is starting to make more and more sense to develop for the Android, because I was just thinking about, like, tablet-wise, what applications would really scream on this device, and I don't think there are any that exist just yet, and uh, a lot of the applications being developed for the iPad right now are just starting to get to that point where it makes it a really impressive use of the device. Um, So, combining developer frustrations stemming a tide to push towards uh, more Android development. That could definitely lead to a whole lot of success in the Android tablet market. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just happy that there is a real com- competitor for the iPhone. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'll be switching anytime soon, but I'm glad mm-hmm. there'll be something to kind of make Apple think, oh, maybe we should keep up with our competitors and add, uh, you know, something stupid like co- copy and paste doesn't get left out. For three Absolutely. Years. You know what I mean? I mean that's 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 completely a situation that was from lack of real competition. Yeah, and I competition mean, stems innovation and keeps everybody on their toes. Yeah, so uh, I, and you know, let's let's be honest, the uh the, the Blackberry and the and the Windows Mobile are uh, were old, <laughs> were, have been old news for for as long as this thing's been out and uh and and they there's been no pressure for them. Right. When they're pushing that many units. So Yeah. And I mean, even then to the point I can, Android has so much catching up to do. I mean, I've been on a Droid X for a little while, and I've had, I use um, an iPod Touch for like three, four years as one of my main, like, away from home computer dealies as a PDA and everything. And holy crap, Android does not come close to the developer quality that the iPhone has. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reflects right onto the tablet sphere because, the, you know, uh, both tablets and phones now are sharing common uh, operating systems and all of that all that app stuff just transfers right over mm-hmm. and I've noticed that like when I have an Android phone I find myself not looking like not doing this all the time like iPhone users are where they, they just have something to do on it all the time even if it's like I'm playing flywheel yay <laughs> and, and and like like I have a, an application that looks like I'm drinking a beer, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's so impressive." But on Android, I go, "All right, dude, dude, oh hey, Twitter," and I check Twitter, and I'm like, "Cool, that was fun," and then I'm done because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, that's that's the biggest barrier I can see to uh, any tablet, any Android tablet coming, like you know, really taking off, simply because there's. Like, the developer force seems like it's finally arriving on Android, but holy crap, it is, it is not there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to take uh, 
a bit of time. I don't, I don't really expect developers to be taking this seriously uh, until the, say, like, the holiday season, because, like you said, like, this is, uh, uh, we're right on the heels of the release of this device uh, being the first Android tablet. Well, the first Android tablet anybody cares about, I should say. Um, whereas when the iPad came out, I mean, before it was even released, people were dropping literally millions of dollars into the development of applications. And, uh, and right now, people are still looking at Android as, as a tablet and, and saying, uh, you know, well, let's get that iPad thingy fixed first, and then, then we'll jump on this weird Google thing people are talking about. Here's the amazing thing, is that there was a huge PR effort that made sure that instead of saying applications, now we, everybody, even techie people, refer to them as apps. And I don't know when that <laughs> happened, because I tried to resist that as much as I could, but... And and now and now you see it and now you see it coming around that uh like you know there's like we talked about before there's there's word about Windows having apps or Mm -hmm. uh, or or your I think there's a they're looking for you know apps for the Chrome OS which is basically just extensions on a browser Mm -hmm. Um, and I think even the Safari the Safari just changed their uh, extension library I think uh, where it looks more like the iTunes Store and maybe they even refer to them as apps for your browser so. Well, for OSX, I mean, it's pretty much always been, I can't remember when they uh, started using the .app file format. Yeah, so that, that helps. But that, I mean, that was pretty much the uh, the birth of it, that the uh, .app was actually birthed out of Symbian um, and then eventually just bumped into uh, GNU Step and Mac OS X. And then all Mac users, for as long as I can remember, have been calling them apps and then the iPhone got apps, and then every application on the planet and is considered an app. Now that something like that's mainstream, we are all saying it. So, yes. Well, on that note, let's get into, uh, it's time to talk about our awesome sponsor uh, that we talk about every week. Because I use it all the time. Uh, AudiblePodcast.com slash Sorgatron Media is where you can get a free audio book. Cancel any time in the first 14 days, and you will get that. You'll run away with that audio book free on your uh, portable device, so you can literally run with it. So there you go. Um, this week is actually a book uh, I don't think I've talked about here on this show uh, called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I, I like Gary. I, I like I like somebody with a different attitude towards social media that isn't afraid to say to say stuff and would probably be, you know, we would have to lose the no swearing rule on this show if he was ever on. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's the most energetic person oh I, I know. This, you know, this is actually a book. This is one of the first audio books that I read. And uh, I'm actually going back to it because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hitting a time where I'm going to be uh, hitting a lot of new projects, uh, making a lot of changes, uh, you know, kind of to, to do what I want to do, you know, with my career. And I need the cheerleader again, you know. And this is the book. It's read by him. It's actually been updated since it came out. So, like, there's a lot. Of, and even then, it was it was probably put out uh, probably December last year and the book a few months before, and he's even updated it. A lot of kind of side notes uh, to go along with the original text. And it's Gary. It's Gary for about six hours. And, uh, <laughs> it's all Gary. You read this book, read this book, read this book, listen to this book even more importantly, and you're not ready to just break some doors down and do whatever the heck you wanted to do, then you, you have no energy. <laughs> So uh, I, I recommend it. It's uh, Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. Let me see if I can pull up a sample here real quick. That's one of the nice things. You can always check these out. You can see if there's, like, I think, uh, what, what was it, Freakonomics had, like, three different uh, 
uh, choices for uh, 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 narrators last week. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's always great to check that out. Um, That's because I measure my success by how happy I am, not by how big my business is or how much money I've made. And thanks to following these three rules, I am 100% happy. Don't believe me? Think it's not possible? I promise you it is. If you don't know where I mean, you this live... Is, uh, the I, first... I've, I've, I've read a few books, uh, audio books done by the author and everything, and some of them seem to look, you know, they might little drag on after a while, but this guy, energy the whole way. He must have uh, drank a uh, six-pack of Red Bull uh, every hour. I was just thinking, I wonder how many calories Gary Vaynerchuk burns by opening his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean he is, he's, he's really like... I'm glad that there isn't like a video version of the book because it would be exhausting watching him speak. Oh, it is. I, I bet it would be. I mean, I, he was on uh, uh, what was it this week in startups, and it was it was like a interesting two hours, you know. Oh yeah, he, he's he's nonstop. For those of you unfamiliar, he runs uh, WineLibrary.tv, which is uh, off of a, a wine shop in New Jersey. He is a New Jersey boy, and. Um, he puts out a new episode every day, I think, of WineLibrary.tv, and every single day he has the same amazing, incredible energy, and uh, it, it blows my mind every time. I've, I've never seen him tired. Did, are either of you familiar with the um, the prank phone call that he received yes. during South by Southwest this like year? Five no. in the morning? Yes. Somebody called him at five in the morning. They were in the same hotel. They called the front desk and said, you know, hey, I'm looking for Gary Vaynerchuk, and... And they connected him to Gary's phone, and uh, and this guy is like, "Hey, is this Gary?" And he or he, he calls, and uh, and he's like, "Yeah, this is Gary." And he like he he's groggy for maybe half a second, and then he wakes right up. And the guy is having a total laugh with Gary, and he's he's uh, I forget what he said what his name was, but it was something like funny sounding. And he's like, "Why do people make fun of my name?" And he's like, "I'm I'm really sorry, man, but uh, that that that's an awesome name. Nobody should ever make fun of you for having that name. It's really great." We got it right here. Oh, do we? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Might be a little slow. Hey, you're calling us. Can you tell us, please, Sam, how many days you're full? Yes, I need to speak to guest. Uh, his name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and I, I can spell that for you. It's V-A-Y-N-E-R-C-H-U-K. And what was the first name? Uh, the first name is Gary. With a G, right? Yes, please. I'll say I didn't cue this. Thank you. Hello? Yes, is this Gary? This is Gary. Gary, right into And you're destroying my life. I'm sorry, Tom Crush. Everyone keeps telling me to crush things. <laughs> Some man actually physically crushed me. I'm sorry, buddy. What should I do? You should tell them to crush off. What What is crush it, and why does everyone want to do it to me? I'm not sure why they want to crush you, bro, but Tom Crush is an amazing name to have, bro. <laughs> I thought so, too. I, it's almost like a superhero. I agree. All right. All right, bro. Thank you for your help, Gary. No problem, my friend. Bye-bye. <laughs> awesome. There you go. It's, it's just it. totally amazing. It's like, hello? Yeah, this is Gary. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, oh, and I, I correct myself, it's actually three hours and 40 minutes is this book. But it's unabridged, it's full Gary, full on. So go check that out, audiblepodcast.com slash Media, and you can be helping out the show if you're digging us. So go check it out, thanks. And let's get, I'm feeling brave, no break this, 
no brave tonight. Does anybody need a drink? Or uh, <laughs> is everybody good? I've, I've been peeing since we started. <laughs> it's just a constant stream. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, so Rob, you had something you wanted to bring up that you yes. wanted to spring on us. So I was using my brain muscles today. He's using his brain muscles. Fantastic. It happens so every once what's, in a while. What's going on in that br- that big brain of yours? <laughs> Uh, so there's, uh, gonna be an Apple event in, uh, in September. I think it's, uh, September 8th, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the rumor mills are churning as to what, uh, is gonna come of this. And Kevin Rose, uh, Mr. My Apple Rumors Are More Than 50% Correct, <laughs> uh, is saying that Apple will be releasing a new device, uh, a, a set-top TV device. Uh, called the ITV or something like that. Uh, people aren't really sure about the name because ITV is actually held by a whole ton of other people. But the basic idea is that it would be a set-top box, uh, much like a Roku box, if you're familiar with that, or the uh, Boxy box. Uh, and it would run iOS, and there would be applications. And the most important part about this is that Say, instead of uh, subscribing to Comcast Cable or anything like that, and you say, oh, well, I want HBO, and I want Showtime, and, and I want this network and that network, and I want all these special channels added on. Instead of that, you have this uh, ITV set-top box, and you would download the HBO application, which would give you access to HBO. You would download the Showtime application and things like that. And something else that jives with this is that there was an offhand comment made, um, when was this? Last week. Uh, by uh, HBO's co-president Eric Kessler saying that, uh, quote-unquote, HBO will be available through all major cable systems on Apple Incorporated's iPad on mobile devices and elsewhere. Uh, HBO Go is what he was referring to, which is HBO's uh, Netflix-esque application, um, which I'm pretty excited about this whole thing. I've been looking for an alternative for... Um, for cable for the longest time because I I really don't have any reason for having a TV subscription and I hate the fact that I can't do it a la carte mm-hmm. but at the same time I can't afford like download like going to iTunes and buying episode by episode everything I want to watch and I don't want to keep up with it and honestly I'm just too lazy um but this, what this got me thinking about is that right now I subscribe to Comcast Digital Cable which cost me all of um uh, it's like 16 or 20 bucks a month for digital cable, um, which is pretty cheap, all things considered. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I like about that is the little amount of effort that I have to exert to find what I want to watch. I know that certain times, whatever, I can sit down and watch things. Um, if I want to download stuff, I can go to my PC, download it, shoot it over to my uh, hacked Xbox Classic and, uh, and watch it on my TV. But for the most part, uh, for the kind of TV that I watch, it's usually I have a half hour to burn or um, I'm getting something to eat and I want something to watch. I don't want to have to go online and flip through channels, uh, load up Boxy. There's too many choices is pretty much what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, whereas consuming television is, is a totally mindless process for the most part. When you take out the DVRs and subscriptions... It's just you turn on the magic blinky box and things appear and they speak to you. Uh, whereas the new generation of media consumption devices give you a ton of choices. And I'm wondering how many people actually want that much control and that many choices over the content they consume or if they'd rather have the, the mindless TV device. Well, I think what you're having here is uh, much like, you know, 
you know, we might be people that use our, our phones and our, and our computers to do much more than the average person that, you know, just, just wants to check their email. I think you're going to find that there's, there's a new power user, uh, as far as television goes that wants the, wants it the way they want it, how they want it. Um, your typical person, you're the most, the, I had part of this discussion, I think, today at work. Uh, your average person, you're not going to get more than the, the 50% of the people in this country dishing cable, probably not even close to that, in the next 10 years. Because mm -hmm. people don't know there are other alternatives or aren't in an area where they can just get everything off the Internet. Um, so I think I think you're, what you're going to see is these options that are going to be pretty much for a niche. You know, It's going to be a strong niche and a profitable niche. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe something like this ITV, Apple TV, that may be coming out. Maybe something like the Google TV, if, if they actually get some decent marketing behind that and some good partners that don't drop the ball. Um, maybe that's a chance for that to really kind of stick out there. But uh, but I don't know. I, it's too early to tell, I think. But You know what yeah. excites me about that prospect is, I mean, I by nature, I'm a tinkerer, mm -hmm. and I... I love buying machines and making them do things, you know, opposite to what they were intended to do. Mm -hmm. For instance, Rob mentioned uh, a hacked Xbox Classic. I, too, have one of those, and it is the most awesome thing ever. And I saw it rumored before that this ITV concept or whatever, you know, the, the, the floating cost right now is around $99, which is uh, approximately $100 less than what the uh what is it the apple tv currently is mm -hmm. um and i would buy this itv in a heartbeat if it meant that i could stick a usb thing in the back like a little drive and hack this thing into a 100 dollar <laughs> low electricity computer that i could just keep plugged into my wall and then plugged into wi-fi and just have it do whatever i need to do the other thing that people are talking about with the, uh, the ITV is, uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, the, uh, the magic pad, the mysterious trackpad that people don't seem to like very much. Uh, people have brought up that when you use it as an input device for uh, your TV screen, it's actually fairly intuitive. So something like the magic pad matches up with something like the ITV, and we could finally have a, uh, a, a TV-controlled experience that's a lot easier. I mean, I can certainly imagine that using um, even Boxy uh, under a touch device mm -hmm. is uh, mm -hmm. a thousand times better than using a mouse or a keyboard. Oh, I can... The, the second I saw that Magic Trackpad, the first thing I thought of was, man, this thing would rule as a TV remote. It, I mean, if you could make the user interface around that, imagine just having it in your hand and, you know, swiping it and doing whatever you want. But the most exciting prospect about using that is that you have to touch, like this trackpad is capacitive, so you have to touch it with something that has a slight, um, what do you call that, Electro, like electro resistance or something similar to the human skin. Mm -hmm. And I, the thing I always hated about having remote controls is when it gets wedged between your butt and the seat, and you accidentally press the off button. And, or, or like channel up, channel down, the volume starts you, flying you way out of control. You set a book on it or something? Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. like, this, this trackpad would be awesome if you had to do a specific gesture to activate it or, you know, anything fun like that. Like, you're not going to screw up your TV unless you really want to. 
And that's that's a, that's an advantage I'm willing to pay a hundred bucks for. I mean, <laughs> everything's everything's built solid, and I, no longer do I have to uh, accidentally drop my foot off the futon and then press the B button on my Xbox controller, essentially destroying everything that I earned. <laughs> I was just thinking there is a um, there's actually a local company in Pittsburgh, and I really wish I could remember their name, but they uh, they are developing a uh, it's a IR plug that would go in the headphone jack of your iPad and it turns your iPad into a, uh, your iPad or your iPhone, I believe, into a universal remote for your TV. I think I've seen something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, I think the company that made it, they're called the Steelers. <laughs> they do invention on the side because... Oh, right. <laughs> to pay for all of uh, Ben's legal bills. Um... <laughs> But yeah, like when I when I saw that, I was honestly the first time that I had connected the iPad with the TV, uh, as, as seeing it as something like, "Hey, wait a second, this this whole touch screen in my hand feels pretty intuitive." Because it's kind of hard for me to wrap my my brain around the idea of just like when I use my Wacom, it takes a lot to get used to using a Wacom on the side and then looking at the screen compared to using something like a Cintiq, which is the um, the Wacom screen you can just draw on. Um, and I guess it's something, it's one of those experiences that once you use it, you don't look back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So ITV, Magic Trackpad, Apple, Kevin Rose, um, <laughs> uh, Epic Win. Yeah. There you go. I, I, that kind of lends to, cause I think, I think we brought up the thing, uh, uh, Andy Anaka was talking about, about this, like it could be a game device. Yeah, it opens a lot of. I mean, you could. Uh, I could play Angry Birds on my TV. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, no, we can. We can already play Plants vs Zombies on our Xbox Game of the Year edition. There you go. There's their big announcement. So, Jody. are you guys playing that? I've, I've been. I've been afraid to bite on it because I heard about how addictive Plants vs Zombies is. I haven't touched it. Um, I also avoided Angry Birds for the longest time. This game is not new. But uh, I think Alex Lindsay had mentioned it a couple times, and based on that, I had decided not to touch it because it would rule my life. And uh, it's it's the anti suggestion if if it's taken over Alex Lindsay's life. Apparently, yeah, yeah, it really is. If if he says that it's a great game, it means you you don't want to touch it because it will ruin your life. And I have spent uh, a large part of every spare minute of the last week playing Angry Birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Field Runners was mine. So. Uh, yeah. I played through uh, Plants vs. Zombies when when it came out on uh, uh, on OSX, and it was fun. But the thing is, is that when you match that with a tablet device or something mm-hmm. handheld, I can see why that game would destroy like relationships and end marriages, because <laughs> it's just it's one of those games you can pick up and play, but it's it's not it's not presented poorly. It's everything in it is well done, thought out, humorous, enjoyable to see. And the best part is that when you're playing this game, you're constantly unearthing new things. It's like the evil genius approach to keeping people playing a game. And, uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't touch it if you have any meaningful responsibilities like pets or birds that you need to feed. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that they'll, uh, they'll die. <laughs> so... So, uh, touching back on, on, on the Apple TV real quick, uh, what do you guys think of the Google TV? Because I don't think we've talked about it much on this show um, and what they're doing with that. I, uh, it, it's a noble cause, I think, because um, the FCC 
has been fighting for a la carte um, cable service for almost 25 years now. And the problem is, is that there's really only one or two justices or no, uh, what do you call that? Uh, appointees to the FCC that think that's a good idea. You know, the others are like, nah, we don't want any of that. That doesn't make any sense. And um, it, it might be nice to finally have huge titans like Google and Apple uh, to really kind of present the fact that there is a consumer demand for that kind of pricing scheme mm-hmm. um, and really kind of set the bar to allow that. Because by the way that uh, television distribution works in the United States legally, it's not always legally permissible to do a la carte um, you know, uh, 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 t- price tiering and things like that, like choosing which ones you want. Uh it's really convoluted the way the wall works in that, but um, if Google TV and, and Apple TV or whatever, if everybody kind of teams together and really makes a good push for doing that kind of thing, I mean, we could probably see legal changes in, in, a, in a national sort of federal level. And yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's why I can support this, I guess. It's scary, but I guess I can. <laughs> it seems like um, the the recent, very recent technology stance has been if you build it, they will come in the sense that if you build a net neutrality policy, somebody might actually pay attention and get something done about it. Uh, and if you provide a platform for a la carte TV service in the form of Google TV or Apple's ITV, if it even exists, um, then it, just like when uh, when Steve Jobs look at, looked at uh, piracy and downloading songs and he said, you know what, how about we just uh, make a store out of it and we'll see what happens. <laughs> it was it wasn't necessarily uh, the status quo or anything, but it turned out to be hugely successful because he built a place for it to happen. Um, I like how Steve Jobs seemed like an 1850s oil baron there for a second. <laughs> oh, I do think that these people just need a store to work in. Uh, and, and they just need a store, a clerk, and some nice windows, and everything will come together. <laughs> Just because of your old-timey looking over there. <laughs> it is because of You just wait until this mustache gets out of control, all right? <laughs> uh, we, party starts. we need to get you a fedora and a yes. monocle. Yes. That would be perfect. I, I do need a monocle. All right. On that note, a couple of things real quick before uh, we wrap this up. Uh, we do want to mention, I don't think we mentioned it here on the show yet, but there will be a live presentation you can attend if you're in the Pittsburgh area in the near future here. Uh, for the awesome cast, uh, we have uh, officially, I don't think they changed the time on us or anything. Uh, we yep. will, uh, at PodCamp Pittsburgh, uh, September 18th and 19th, um, on the 19th, uh, after we were all hung over, I'm, I'm going to bring a part of this studio into the, the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, uh, show you how I use it and some interesting things you can do with technology, uh, and, and, and th- th- this kind of thing going on here and uh we will have a live presentation of the awesome cast uh we're hoping to talk to a lot of people on hand uh about the weekend and social media and everything going on and you can see how we do this in person i'm gonna have a panel too by the way oh, uh excellent. saturday at three o'clock i'm gonna be talking about internet memes and stuff and generally being a bother to everybody they're locking in the room with me so excellent if you're uh if you're there come Try not to throw things at me. I'm when I'm trying to teach. I'm, my reflexes are somewhat diminished. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will have a session as well. I have no clue what it's going to be about, 
but um, I'm gonna have one. Me and uh, me and Jay Finelli, we're gonna talk about something. Are there any? <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> are there any candidates, or or should people just be sending you suggestions? Um, we we've got a couple I- ideas in mind. Um, to be perfectly honest, we talked for like four hours the other day. We came up with a lot of uh, great discussion topics that would offend a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but, but we couldn't quite That's find okay. anything that was safe the for time. the conference. It is er- it is early in the weekend, so you don't want to you don't want to take everybody off that early, I guess. But uh, you can go check that out. Uh, everything going on there. Uh, I see Tall Kathleen from uh, Freak Show has been added to schedule. And there's actually a couple openings. Uh, there's like four spots open still. So if you're interested to speak at PodCamp, go ahead up podcamppittsburgh.com and there is information somewhere on here for you to contact. Uh, Missy Sorg would be the contact, I believe, for that. Uh, and uh, we also just uh, finalized our, our t-shirt design. You should be excited about that. And Thanks to the uh, the wonderful John Fisher at Sticker Giant, we will be having super awesome real vinyls with real ink this year, so they won't rub Sweet. off a day later. Sweet. Nice. Also, speaking of t-shirts, I got something cool in today, guys. There you go. The first official t-shirt. Look at that. For Sorgatron Media. Next, next one's the awesome cast. We're going to get figured out. But there yes. you go. Represent. So, no, Sorry, audio listeners, for that one. Um... And what else were we supposed to bring up, Rob? Is that it? Uh, oh, hey! I, go, uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I don't think anybody has sent us an email yet. Am I right on that? I, I'm thinking not either, but I know why they didn't send us any voicemail either. Because <laughs> <laughs> I figured out the other day. Um, yeah, I, I, I screwed up when I was giving the number out. I should have known when it wasn't 724. Uh, but that number is... Let me see if I fixed it here. Uh, 724-25-ACAST. That's uh, 252-2278 for you guys. Um, it works. It's got my voice on it. You can call it. Uh, apparently some credit card uh, collector has been calling it, though, for whoever had the number beforehand. That's been interesting. Um, but we hope that you don't want to take our money and you'll give us a call and let us know about the show. Let us know stories that you would like us to bring up on the show and mm-hmm. tell us what sucks. So. Yeah, I I think if if people don't start contacting us, I'm just gonna start making garishly incorrect statements as fact, oh, and right. uh, and and wait and wait for somebody to call my bluff and just see how far I can push it. Once personally punched a cantaloupe through <laughs> another cantaloupe through a yes. bank. <laughs> yes, it, it was it was pretty remarkable. Uh, but you, fact, actually. you can you can correct that and uh, you can disagree with that at contact at awesomecast.com at awesomecast on Twitter and of course awesomecast.com or you can agree with it if you're into punching yeah. cantaloupes you can, you can support that <laughs> statement that's fine that's fine yeah. too yeah. Uh, and of course uh, typically we're here uh, at 7 p.m. Tuesdays Eastern Time over at sorgtronmedia.com is where the chat room and live stream is uh, that is not the case next week we were we are moving to 10 p.m. Uh, as we do, we've done before, uh, to, to solve some scheduling conflicts. Is that right, Rob? Uh, yes, yes, that is right. I have important things to do. So, uh, we're going to push it back a little so bit. So if you disagree with, uh, Rob's important things to do, make sure to, uh, call us at 724-25ACAST or drop us an email at contact at awesomecast.com. 
Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, hey, Mitch, where can people check you out if they want to see uh, see what's going on with you? Well, I am all over the Twitters, and uh, my common name is M. Sprout. M. S. Sprout. Pretty much all one word. Uh, it's kind of a long story, as most internet handles are, but that's my Twitter name. Uh, and if you Google me for any of those things, you'll find me pretty much anywhere. So, um, if you want to see me yelling about stuff on Twitter, that's the place to do it. Fantastic. Where do you yell about stuff on Twitter there, uh, Rob? I yell about stuff on Twitter, about Twitter, at Twitter, uh, at R-O-B-J-D-L-C. That's me. And, of course, you can check me out at Sorgatron or uh, Sorgatron.com is where I write things. Sorgatronmedia.com where we have all of our presentations of the multimedia uh, flavors. So, uh, well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Mitch. I, ho- I hope you can come on the show again. It was a great time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you guys, we'll see you guys next week here. Awesome cast. Late night edition. Awesome.